Hey everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. We have a great episode lined up today, but before that, a word from our sponsors, World Business Chicago. As the city of Chicago's economic development organization, World Business Chicago drives inclusive growth and opportunity for our local tech, innovation, and startup ecosystem. They recently announced the 2022 Chicago Venture Summit, Future of Food, their new flagship conference to highlight why Chicago leads as a global capital for food innovation. Follow World Business Chicago on LinkedIn and Twitter for event details and other related news about our city's economic progress. Through, thank you so much for joining us on Chicago Capital. It's a true pleasure to have you. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Um, I guess we could start today with uh, learning a little bit more about Cohesion and what you all have built. Great. Uh, So I'll start with, maybe we'll get to this, but I can start with the origin story real quick. Um, We are a smart building SaaS platform. And we, I, I actually spun the technology out of a mechanical engineering firm it, who had done a custom development for a building here in Chicago. And we, the executive chairman of that engineering firm and I had, you know, conversations about how there was a real big opportunity kind of coming down the pike. We were still early. This was early 2018. And we decided that there was a real business to be made here and that there was an opportunity to take the early technology that they had built and spin it into its own company. And so Cohesion started, you know, as a seedling inside of a, inside of like a mechanical engineering and design firm. And then we spun out to be our own company. And what we do is we go in and we look at kind of four categories in prop tech. So prop tech is for those that don't know, it's real estate technology, property technology operations. And there's three, you know, people define it different ways, but there's three categories in prop tech. One is construction technology. Another is property operations technology. And then there's transaction, um, transaction or capital technology as well. We play within the property operations technology side, which includes Things like leasing technology, tenant experience, um, digital operations, IoT and automation, and then true autonomy, building autonomy and advanced analytics. We we work in property operations, and the only thing we don't do is the leasing side of that, those five categories within property technology. So we were built essentially to, to do, you know, very simply put, marry up the human side of real estate with the building systems and infrastructure to get all the data out of out of those two systems so that we could start to optimize environments in a better way as we understand how they operate in tandem and really try, try and find that true harmony of a building when um, you know when everything is in a single platform. And so are you selling into the property management companies? Are you selling into um you know, are, are you basically trying to do top down or are you selling into specific property managers? I guess, how do you kind of sell into your customers? Yeah, from a go to market standpoint today, what we do, I guess, last year up till today, what we do really is we go direct to property managers and we also do real estate companies. So ownership um, owned and operated assets. So large institutional funds are starting to get interested 
um, but also to single individual buildings that are part of larger portfolios. So we go, we, we have kind of four channels of sales. One is direct to property. The second is property services or property management, as you kind of laid out. The other is through building systems. So think your elevator company, for example. We could sell with them or alongside them or through them as a reseller. And we also go through go to workplace. So not only do we do office buildings, um, but we also do tenant offices inside of a multi-tenanted building. And so is the goal at the end of the day, um, if I'm using your platform, is it because I want to create a more a more efficient building operations where there are less um, service requirements, where there are less kind of challenges that arise in running the building? Is it for tenants to have a better experience um, living in the building? What are kind of like the key problems you see yourself solving on a day-to-day basis for, for any of your kind of ideal customers? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I So one of the things that we do first is we improve the experience of a building. So think smart home, Smart homes are about improving the experience of any occupant in, that's, in, in that home. So we do that for the tenants. So improve their experience. We also make operations more efficient. So we know what's happening and we actually have digital tools to put in a service ticket instead of having to send an email or to take a picture through our platform and show the engineer what's going on. Um, all of that happens. So digital operations and how you interact with the building, everything happens in platform. Um, and then we also collect the data for those from those systems into another platform for the ownership and operations of a building so that we could, one, just baseline it and show what's actually happening. Because historically in the in the commercial real estate sector, we don't have a lot of uh, operations and operation like how things happen inside of a building are largely decentralized to what's happening on the ground. And so we're giving visibility and transparency to the operations itself inside of our platform. And ultimately, what we do is we take all, all of the, you know, that data and we start to put it into our what we call a digital twin. <clears throat> and we start to you know, through a rules engine and through the our data lake house and data pipelines that feed um, this platform, we actually are able to say, how can we optimize those environments? So an example of that is through our platform, we have integrated into these indoor air quality sensors. Clearly, that's been, you know, something of interest and of note uh, in during the pandemic. And so we worked with the sensor company, third party sensor company. We're not hardware. We're fully software based. And we started to build a platform that tied those sensors to specific spaces inside of that building. As pollutants were on the rise, we would do we had a notification and communications portal to the engineers or building operations to say, hey, here's something that you should pay attention to. And then we also then tied it into the building system so that we automatically, um, as pollutants are rising, we pump fresh air into the space via uh, command and control into that building automation system. And then we we collect the trends over time to say what's going on, what's driving that, so we could start to actually apply data science principles to that data. And, and are, are you able to, as as more and more buildings sign up, as you get more and more data, are you providing these property managers with you know the ability to benchmark kind of their data, how it stacks up against other um, buildings that are of same size, same age? Is there what is that kind yes. of a strategy here as well? Yep. Yep, absolutely. The you know it's it's fascinating because one, I've been in real estate for quite a long time in different asset classes, but 
you would think that a building would know the right labor mix as to who to put inside of a building, right? Who should be at the building given how many people are there? Really, it's done by very smart people on the ground that know from a gut perspective what it should be, but there's no measurement of it to say this many people are in the building on average, this many visitors come into the building, right? When you into an office building, this many vendors come in to deliver stuff or fix stuff or do stuff in the building. We don't have any of that tracked whatsoever and people don't staff accordingly. And so there's a lot of just inefficiency that you have at the building, but first we don't even have the data to be able to say that that's the case, right? So we have no benchmarks at all in the industry. The only benchmark that we really have is happiness scores through surveys, and then we have operating expenses or the financial side of the equation, but not really the operations. Like think of a logistics company that knows down to the minute where the where their drivers are and how they collect that data. We need to get there in real estate. And it's something that, you know, we absolutely, you know, we're going to have to because the world is changing, right? There's like three fundamental changes in the, in the world today. We've got hybrid work is going to be here to stay. So the way people use space is different. Two is that climate change, you know, is happening and I believe it's real. And I think that, you know, buildings do have to decarbonize and we've got eight years to get there. And so to get to net neutral, we've got eight years that 40, you know, we have to do a lot of reduction on the carbon side in commercial buildings, which are phase one of the climate accord, Paris climate accord. And then third, we've got, you know, we've just got an overall, uh, I guess, um, an awareness to building health because of the pandemic. So those three things are all here to stay. And those are only going to be solved to make places safer, more efficient, more engaging, um, and more sustainable uh, through technology. Yeah, you mentioned the the carbon neutral part. And and that part, I I think is interesting. And I'm, I'm a little bit kind of green to this question. So apologies. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, look at that. There we go. Um, but are there city ordinances like do do these properties, do they feel the pressure from, you know, um, the city, wherever they may be located to to kind of low and lower their carbon you know, outputs or, or to, to, to use a service like this? Like, could that be a motivating factor in why they're actively seeking something like this? Absolutely. I think, you know, what we're seeing in the marketplace is that people are starting to really pay attention, right? Eight years is not a long time for massive portfolios to plan. And so I think we're seeing a lot of momentum there in, in people starting to understand what are the suite of solutions, if any, that we could start to look at. And I think in in the realm of real estate right now, people are inundated with solutions, right? Point solutions. And there's a lot of options out there. And so I think the industry right now is in research mode and they are going in. That's what the last two years have been because we've been forced to get there. And now we're getting into, okay, we're starting to pick, you know, pick our horses and we're going to put our money behind that. And so I think there's a real opportunity, right, for green technology, sustainable technology, and even it, you can't do green alone in a way that you could, you know, you could just, again, put rules in place that says I'm going to decrease my energy use by 30%. And you don't have, you don't, you might then suffer on the other front of making it an unhealthy building or an un, like a disengaging building as well for people to come back to it. So you have to have all of those in equilibrium and we don't know what equilibrium is right now. And so we're just guessing. And so I think our tech is really important. Yeah, you mentioned, and I would totally agree. I, I have seen a, a number of different point solutions out there. Um, 
do you guys integrate? Do you do you come in on top of any of these tools um, to kind of help your adoption, or how does that work with the other point solutions that exist out there? Absolutely, we are we're an inter, we're a middleware platform, so we have integrations both to large large building systems like your access control systems and elevators, um, all the way down to a single beacon, you know, that just gives you location awareness. So we integrate across the spectrum of building systems, IoT, bringing in IoT into our platform. So mostly occupancy sensors, indoor air quality sensors, even meeting room displays like you know, to have your, if you book an amenity, you should be able to see that on a display. And so having that integration, none, all our entire platform is built on a really strong IoT and integration platform itself. And so what, what markets I'm obviously, I'm assuming you're in, in Chicago, uh, but what other markets are you in currently today? Have you expanded nationally yet? Yeah, we're in Chicago, Minneapolis, um, down in Texas, we're in Houston and Austin and uh, we're in Boston we are going live in LA and Irvine, and um, we're also closing in on a property in Santa Clara. And I think I've listed, we're also talking to properties right now, and we're pretty close on DC. So those are the markets currently. I noticed I lived in New York City for four years. I noticed you didn't mention New York. Is it just a lost cause? Are those? Is it just uh, New York's buildings are like 100 years old and they've just built on top of them? No, I think it's interesting. You know, I don't know for sure. And we haven't spent a lot of time. I think New York has been really dealing with the our people coming back, right? The, they're the largest market that really has suffered a mass exodus of what you know, what happened on the pandemic. So I think a lot of their efforts right now and focus has been on, you know, getting people back to New York City and returning to work versus tech. And I think their focus will be on technology next um, as we see repopulations of, you know, off the office as well. And that's a hope too, right? That's, we hope that that's going to happen because I do, you know, I'm obviously bullish on uh, office coming back. And I think there's a massive amount of opportunity for people to collaborate and, you know, come back and see, you know, from a human element standpoint, people are happier seeing, you know, coming to work. Yes, commuting is annoying. Yes, you have to get dressed. You technically don't, but, you know, it's, it's, there's an effort that has to be made to do it. But I think the payoff is better when, and the office is better when there's a hybrid element. You don't have to be in the office every day, right? That's not, no longer is that going to be the norm, but I think some amount of in office is great for, both the company and the person and the employee. Yeah, I, I totally would agree. I, I would completely agree. Um, but nothing beats kind of waking up and just rolling to work in your sweatpants, staying at home. I think that's uh, <laughs> something I definitely definitely don't ever want to give up at this point. Are you telling um, me that you're in sweats right now? <laughs> I'm actually at the office, so not right now. But if you caught me yesterday, 100%. <laughs> um, I would love to hear a little bit about kind of pricing and and how you guys arrived at, at the prices you're charging, if there's a tiered pricing system, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, four years ago when this was like a you know twinkle in our eye, we thought we were gonna make, you know price it way higher than we we had really gone to market to like uh, test what was acceptable, and so we were almost you know quadruple what we are today in terms of what we thought we could charge because the savings and the ROI is actually there, right? It's a true savings, but there's yeah budgets are tight, especially coming out you know with the with the revenue side being tight too, so. We, we price on a per square foot basis. Uh, we're a pretty simple model in that we have a base price to do, here's what you get for X. We started with subscriptions saying, here's three packages. And 
even if you don't use the features in one of the packages, you still pay full freight. We went away from that model because we started to understand, you know, buildings in general are very different and how somebody operates a building is also very different. And so we do need to be very, you know, we need to be a little bit more modular with some baseline of what that looks like. So what we ended up going towards is here's the, here's an essentials package. And then on top of that, you can add different integrations. So if you want to do the access control integration, or if you want an elevator call button in your app, you'll pay for that, that integration to the elevator system. And then it will add, you know, um, nominal fee on a per square foot basis on the recurring SaaS. So our average term is about three and a half years on a, on a contract. So we're pretty, um, when we go in, we're pretty sticky since we're fairly integrated into all the building and the building systems. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be it'd be a, a, a kind of a pain to pull out the system. Uh, and it seems like, that. I mean, two, three-year contracts, that's actually, that's outstanding, I would think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. When did you guys kind of figure out that you could sort of create those length of contracts? What was that sort of customer demand or was it what you were seeing in the market? It was customer demand. They, you know, we started that our first few contracts were four and five years long and now they're starting to shorten a little bit, but our first contracts were, well, you're a tech company and you're a startup, you're going to get bought. We don't, we want to lock in pricing right, as long as we can with change and control elements in the, in those contracts. And so for us, um, we, we always were longer and I should, you know, we, we are sticky in that we integrate with all the different systems and no other company integrates to the level that we do. And so we're an open platform though. And that's kind of what's interesting is that we are open and we are integratable and you can pull us out rather quickly. The question is, is what do you replace once you change behavior, right? That you have to, you've trained people to do things digitally and you've trained that you know people to expect that your elevator is going to arrive when you open your app, right? So things like that, where you train people, you don't just rip out a smart building platform unless there's something better. So not to say that there can't be right now. We don't. We obviously are betting that there is not today, but you know that's that's kind of who we are. And then I think we should probably touch on uh, you most recently raised your Series A in November, um, and I would love to hear about you know, what the process of fundraising was like and, you know, plans, you know, use of funds and, you know, what's on the roadmap for 2022. Great. Uh, we, so as you mentioned, we did a series A, we, in November of 2021, we closed that. Uh, we did our last round of seed round was closed in July of 2020. Um, and then since we were a spinoff, our kind of pre-seed capital came from the company ESD that we spun out of and uh, their chairman also personally invested. So we had, that was kind of our rounds of funding thus far. Um, this last round was uh, really exciting, partially because there's such a boom in prop tech at this point in time. And, you know, I think everyone's starting to realize that the shift is happening finally. And it, it's been an archaic industry and, you know, really slow to adopt and transform digitally. But I think everyone's starting to realize that there's no, there's no alternative now, right? The world has changed. Real estate is fundamentally different and we have to change. And so a lot of money is being poured into that. We, we are, are, we had uh, two co-leads on this round. It was Hyde Park Angels here out of Chicago. They've been fantastic. They, um, they were in our seed round and led that and they just are really supportive and it's, you know, they, they are like, they are venture, but they also have access to 
hundreds of angels that act in, you know, act to really help us. And so I can call up HBA and just say, Hey, I need this. Do you have access to somebody? Do you know someone? And so it's pretty, it's pretty great. And they'll say, yeah, give us a day. We'll get you some names and they do. And so a lot of, a lot of help on that front, great investors, um, there. And then we were also co-led by Morgan Stanley. So we brought in a large institution as well. And that was it also just a fantastic team on, on that front. They, um, I work with, we were their first investment out of a new fund that they launched and it was, it was a wonderful process. They were asking the right questions and they were really excited about the space and they were very thoughtful to say, can we add value to you as well? And they obviously both through their own operations of their workspaces alongside their REIT, their, they have a REIT with, a big real estate fund size. So pretty, you know, pretty strategic partner for us. So raising capital, like how was it? You know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's ever easy. Our first round in a series seed round, it was, I was raising in, you know, I started the raise in December of 2019 and I closed in July of 2020. So when March hit, that was, uh, you know, it was, oh my God, I have to fold the company was what I thought. And we actually got a pretty a pretty big customer out in Singapore that was very interested because the Asia Pacific region is, you know, they're pretty far ahead on smart building technology and SaaS platforms. And so that kind of just, um, you know, amplified where we went at the end of it. And then we, you know, one by one, we got every investor. We did a lot of angels and some high net worth folks that are really supportive my prior career, I have, you know, really great mentors and supporters. So we brought them in and, you know, I think everyone believes in the future of buildings and how they're going to change. And so it was, it was hard, but, you know, we made it happen. And that was like, probably one of the greatest feelings was closing that in the middle of the pandemic. And then on the A, it was, we were oversubscribed. We didn't end up overraising, though. We didn't want to, you know, I didn't personally, I want to be done with the raise and I didn't want to redo the, the legal tax. So we did not um, overraise on, on the round, but we did 15 million. So we had a pretty big, uh, we had a pretty big round, pretty excited about that. So we'll use the funds for um, our product. We did a commercial SaaS platform launch that in February of 2020. So we are really focused in on product growth, you know, continued product growth as we get into bringing AI and ML into the platform now and starting to really put together a, um, a looking at how we go beyond just the office, right? We always were building the platform to be asset agnostic. So we're looking at expansion into different verticals um, this year. And we also are, you know, we're using the funds to grow our commercial team. So need to invest in the marketing side and sales side and um, just overall office operations. So we're at 52 employees right now, 52 full time. And we are going to probably get to about 75 to 80 by year end. And yeah, it's, pre it's pretty fun. It's different. Every stage is different. So I was going to ask, um, you know, as a Kellogg grad, what's it, how's it been having a bunch of booth grads at Hyde Park Angels uh, on the cap table? <laughs> has any uh, adversarial meetings yet? No, not at all. Actually, they, there's some Kellogg folks that joined HPA too. So, okay. Know. All right. So you're covered. You're good. There yeah, you go. We're good. We're good. <laughs> it's all the same. It's all one city. I, I'm a city person. I'm not a Sox or a Cubs fan. Yeah. Clearly, I went to Northwestern, but Chicago's great too. 
Speaking of which, uh, yeah, I would love to end on, uh, you know, as a founder um, who spent, you know, I think the majority of your career in Chicago, um, I know you went to U of I, so you've just been around the ecosystem, I think, for, for a long time. I, I, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on how it's grown and how it continues to grow and, you know, prognosis for the future. I, you know, I, I don't know if many people know this, but I was at the city's economic development council, um, working to essentially, you know, put Chicago, continue to put Chicago on the map and attract talent and attract companies here for about a little under two years. Um, but I really focused in on real estate and infrastructure, um, investments, uh, for next generation investments effectively, just making sure that we're not too short-sighted that we're doing things that are going to, um, you know, um, essentially put Chicago in a good place as we grow, as we continue to grow um, over time. But I think, you know, what I've seen is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of great talent here in Chicago. Um, and we've always had that, but I do see us making really concerted efforts to keep some of our talent as they graduate, graduate uh, undergrad out of university of Illinois and um, IIT and a lot of the, you know, the, the STEM talent to stay here in Chicago. And so I think the programs we've done are great. And I think that, you know, WBC, the city itself really supports entrepreneurship. And I think it's a good place also as people kind of get to their, in their early career to mid career, it's a great place to raise a family. As everyone knows, it's, it's just, I'm a Chicagoan. So I'm going to say, you know, I think that Chicago is great, but I think from an entrepreneurial ecosystem, everyone does know one another. So it's pretty, and I think it helps. Like some people on the outside can say it hurts, but I do think that having that connectivity and that connective tissue across different people, different, like different groups um, is great. I do think, you know, from a capital perspective, we need more capital here in Chicago and we need to be more aggressive. I think that the Valley in New York are way more aggressive in terms of understanding, you know, that you got to bet big to get some big wins. And I think it's harder for people to, to underwrite that. And I think that we're just more conservative on that front, but you know, it's worked out. We've also had a record number of unicorns um, on the other side. So there's something right that we're doing and just selfishly as a founder side of it, I, I would love for us to be more aggressive on, on that. And shout out to World Business Chicago. They're uh, sponsors of the show. So I uh, love that we could give them a little call out in the episode. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the show. Uh, this has been such a blast. It's uh, It's been really great to hear about, you know, what you're building and kind of your thoughts on the ecosystem. Um, and it sounds like what you're building is not only uh, very commercially viable at this point, but also um, doing some real good. So um, I want to thank you for hopping on. Uh, it's been a true pleasure. And if people want to find you or find the company and learn more about you, your story, the company story, where can they go? Uh, just go to cohesionib.com. I, um, IB stands for intelligent building. Um, and those are our handles as well. Cohesion IB on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I think we're on Facebook. So. <laughs> awesome. Drew, thank you so much. Take care. All right. Thanks, Matt, for having me.